BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. the way you start a podcast i don't know what these other podcasts are doing out here but we are doing it right welcome to sixers talk brought to you by wilmington university wilm you works uh, paul hudrick and danny pommel's here rocking out with you um i can say my last name pommel's so don't worry about that but uh <laughs> you all right hey, everything you. okay i'm good about you. you know it's the holiday season sure not enough funds to go around for all the things that people want to do oh here we go i saw julius got a haircut finally yeah, yeah. It, was that, a, it didn't look like that was willing, though. You know what? It's funny because uh, <laughs> I sent that photo to a couple other people. People were like, "Oh, he looks so sad." I'm like, I, I just think he was like falling asleep in the chair or All something right. like that. He he wanted to get it cut. Okay. All right. And uh, I was happy to to oblige because he doesn't want to do anything with it. He wants to have like roll out right out of bed hair, but like, bro, you got to like put some product in that. You got to wet it. You got to like work with it get it braided like something you know what i mean um get the rose like his old man had once upon a time once upon a time his old man did um but he, see he, he's got the built my mom will do it for him whenever he wants and she's a huge sucker for him she doesn't listen to the podcast so she <laughs> notice, she's a huge sucker for him but uh he he doesn't want to sit sit there and get his hair done so off it went but um thank you for subscribing at uh, NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com, wherever you get your podcast, Keep those questions, comments, those five-star ratings uh, coming in. And I, I just want to say quickly, we appreciate the compliments we get. You know, criticism is a kind of part of this social media world and this world where people can reach out to you and touch you a lot more than, you know, strangers can a lot more than they used to. So um, people have been like, FDM me. I'm sure you get stuff while you're out, Paul. Oh, but absolutely. I just want to say thank you for people, you know, saying that they enjoy listening and, and that we do a good job. Um, we had the multifaceted podcast the last time. Uh, thank you for listening to that with Noah here. We had like four games to recap. Not not the case here today because no. <laughs> um, the Sixers dismantled the Jazz 10 and 0 at home. Uh, they have had good home records since they've had the resurgence after the process I think they started complete. last year at least 10 and 0 last year right so i'm just saying it's i'm just happy they're taking care of business in that regard where there have been inconsistencies on the road and there have been some close ones at home that probably shouldn't have been but all the same here they are uh, undefeated and uh the jazz game score was a lot the score did not was not indicative of the way the game was played because it was a no. blowout you know, yeah, for they dominated it. for three quarters, and then the last quarter got away from a little bit. But they still wound up. I mean, they wound up taking care of business. People, people get. I get it. People get excited about that. People get upset, like, oh, they can't. They they always blow these big. It's the NBA. Yeah. It is really hard to beat teams All by teams twenty run, points. Yeah. They beat Miami by like thirty. Like that wasn't supposed to. Like you know what I mean? It's just ebbs and flows, man. That's best. That's why the Knicks have held two big leads against them, and then they came back because that's just, just yeah, basketball seventeen and man. sixteen points respectively, yeah. but. I just, it's a growing process. 
in that regard, I'm, I don't really get caught up in things like that. I'm just looking at how guys play and the way they responded to each other and the communication and the, the nonverbal communication. Because when you have plays from a rookie like Matisse Thibel stealing the ball and lobbing it up to Ben Simmons in transition, my daughter's like, why is he screaming like that? Why is he so hype? I'm like, it, you practice so much more than you play. The fact that you get to like take out your energy and um, you know the the time you put in on another team finally feels great to let us scream out or whatever and, and dunk a ball like that. Um, I think everybody knows the play I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I just want to point out too. What? So there was a what set that up that moment that run that got him like a huge lead. I don't know if you remember this because it was early the, and people forget about this. There was a foul on Ben Simmons mm-hmm. that they called. It was really, it was, it was clearly Royce O'Neal had pushed off. He elbowed Ben, oh, and, and they called. Uh, they, they reviewed it. They re- so that's an early spot to review a play. Mm-hmm. So that's so that so that makes you want. But like how it was so well done by Brett in this regard. You kept Ben Simmons on the floor because you kept him out of foul that trouble. His third foul. That would have been his third foul. Mm-hmm. You already you had a big lead, but that was a moment of he said, you know what. I can take. We can take this game over. We can. End, we can basically take their heart now. If we do. If I review this play, we get the ball back, and then that Matisse to Ben Simmons lob happened not that long after that. So it's it's weird with the challenge because my thinking always was when they started instituting this: if you do it early in the game, it's a mistake. But in that instance, I think actually Brett got it right. Well, and on and it was a clear obvious that he was going to win too. So that helps. I, that's the only thing I would say gives me pause is it's similar to like reviewing the pass interference calls in the NFL or what have you. It's like, subjective. it's so subjective. Like you're depending on uh Secaucus. Secaucus. Yeah. Secaucus to um, actually overturn the referee or to look at it again and say, you know what? You got that wrong. So I just always feel like that policing yourself thing. Right. It's, it's sometimes like in their best interest, not necessarily, you know, obviously, but in their best interest to protect themselves in that regard. So I, I don't just want to call out their own officials. Yeah. So, I get so it. but um, but that but yeah, one was obvious. Yeah, Ben um just using his body to guard his defender, and the forearm shiver came out. But um, and you know the jumbotron is just I just love when everybody's looking up at the jumbotron, <laughs> and the Wells Fargo Center has a fabulous new, terrific jumbotron. Am I dating? I'm dating myself to say Jumbotron. Though, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. just scoreboard. Yeah, scoreboard. scoreboard I yeah. think is appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, there he is. Oh, I didn't introduce uh, our Steam producers, Ben Barry, Pickup Truck Chuck, a.k.a. Steve Graham. And uh, they're both wearing plaid, actually, so they yeah, it's each very... could be driving a pickup truck. But, um, I don't know. Ben's is not necessarily – that's not like pickup truck. He's got a little that's pastel more... going on. Yeah, it's, bluish. It's... Don't be mad because I look better than you. <laughs> I'm not comparing, bro. You know what? I complimented the shirt when I walked in, and, so and, I appreciate and, it. And Ben is a hardcore CrossFit guy, so sometimes I got to pull him to the side because I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed and it's <laughs> I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed and he's got his effing shirt off. I'm like, dude, I don't need I don't need that on my feed. People love unsolicited. unsolicited. I got some other stuff on the phone you want to see. Oh my god! Uh, but um, one of the reasons they were able to make that push, and I just want to, you know. It, it was great basketball being played against the Utah Jazz. They play so much better at home. The crowds are less. It was just so much fun um, just seeing. It, and and it's just funny because you can tell everyone enjoys. It's just Philly sports fans are so unique. But, like, it's a blowout. People aren't leaving. 
You know what I mean? Like, nah. the, like the arena's still like it's almost to capacity, even though they're up 25, 30 points at right. one point. But I mentioned his name, Matisse Thibel. Uh, I think one of the things, the impressions that people get when it comes to how Brett Brown coaches is that they're looking for him to, you know, one of the things that make Greg Popovich so great and the Spurs organization is that they're able to find players that other teams aren't necessarily coveting, turn them into great fits for their system, and then Popovich is able to play the marionette and get the guys to work together in a way that wins them championships. And people are looking for Brett. And of course, it's not fair to compare to Greg Popovich, who's a Hall of Fame coach, but he comes out of that system. Uh, Australia thought he was a good enough coach to make him their national team coach. So the case of Matisse Stiebel is interesting because Brett's going to have to figure out the role that is proper for him to play because, you know, I know you were tweeting about it a lot. It's just that this dude, man, just impacts the game so significantly and creates things that no one else does things no one else can do on the team because he's getting in lanes and steals but those steals are turning into transition buckets the three-point percentage has been over 40 percent right it has been ratcheted up so much so I think that's the thing that people are waiting for from Brett Brown is him figuring out the way to play all these pieces together in order to benefit the team most effectively there were some nuggets that Brett has dropped recently uh, when he's talked to us tell us so the one thing that I found really, because obviously James Ennis, we got to talk, this guy has been, yeah. he's been great. Like yeah. he has been tremendous for that. Maybe a little slow out of the start. Maybe first one, two, three first games. First three games. Yeah. First three games. Since, since then, then, he's been really, dude, he's. Bro, he, he's been better than what you got at the end of last season. Yes. Which was yes. really great. Yes. Um, he was, and I've, we said it before on the podcast, but there was a point where he was outscoring the entire Toronto bench I think right. the first three games of that he was series. great he was the best yeah. reserve in that series he was right. sensational in that series but he ha- he's been playing on that level like you said if not better because he's been hitting he's been shooting the hell out of the ball he's over 50 percent from three over his last like 11 games I think that's Ennis we're talking about yes yeah and ridiculous and it's something to keep in mind he has started I want to say maybe like 40 games or maybe it was less than that but he was a starter for the Houston Rockets before coming here and you can see why they have a, a versatile guy like him who somehow comes up with like three offensive rebounds a game. It's stroking that corner, a three point shot. You can see what he does that makes him like ingratiates him to the team. And I'm glad you brought up the starting thing because one of the things that was interesting that Brett said the other night. I can't. I got we'll to be honest with you. We're in this now, right? No, yeah, but yeah. Well, it's all it's all, all going to come together. Okay, all right, it's all, time go. is a flat circle. It's uh, all going to come together. Oh, Paul, uh, true detective. He is. Yes. He um, is. So he said after, I can't remember which game, I, I, I apologize because I can't, but I, I specifically asked Brett, you know, about James and how, you know, oh, it was the Indiana game because he closed that game with James Ennis because with Josh out, he closed that game with the starters and James Ennis as, as the wing. And I asked him, like, what kind of like what went into that decision to have James close? And he said he was looking for a reliable veteran that he knew he could put because their wings were getting killed. Matisse actually didn't have a great game against the Pacers. Furkan struggled mightily in the second half. He actually was okay in the first half defensively, then really was not great in the second half. But anyway, with James, you know, he said he wanted that steady veteran to end the game. He referred to Furkan Korkmaz as a wild card to start the game. So I found that interesting because I think what he's trying to say is 
I want to see early if what I what which Furcon I get tonight. You know what I mean? Yeah. I see think- which guy. See which guy comes. If it's the guy that's gonna hit like five threes, then I'm gonna ride that guy. If he's not that guy. I already know what James Ennis is. I know what James Ennis can bring me. So I have him to rely on. So I think that's he didn't explicitly say this, but the vibe I got from the quote was I want to see what I have out of these other guys. I know James Ennis can give me minutes. I know James Ennis is solid. But let me see if I can develop these other guys and grow these other guys. And then when I need James, he's there. So I think that's part of it. I think that's part of what Brett's thinking is. And now to Matisse, the other night before the Jazz game, he said pregame that he needs to, Brett admitted, he needs to be more tolerant of Matisse's mistakes. He needs to let him play. That's basically what Brett's message was, is that he needs to let him play. He needs to let him make the mistakes. He's been better with not being, like still being aggressive, but not being reckless. Um, and so Brett did admit, I need to get this guy on the floor. I need to be more tolerant of some of his mistakes. So my thing with fans would be like, don't, don't read into too much about rotational stuff right now, because it is gonna. It is. We are twenty. You know, twenty plus games into this thing. We have reached a quarter have, pole, though. Yeah, but there's still like sixty games left. Like yeah. we have so much time to figure out what it's gonna be. And Brett likes to break it down the season into thirds. Mm-hmm. So we haven't even reached that first third yet. Mm-hmm. So by that last third, that is when we can really start looking critically about the rotation and who's playing what and all that and roles. That's when we can really start looking at it. Also, Josh Richardson has missed the last few games, so that's been a factor as well. Right, because it doesn't. This isn't Brett's optimal lineup. This isn't his optimal no, rotation. And I still think they need a guy. That's a whole other story, though. Yeah, I, I just think Matisse and the fans see it. He's just so much about pressure, and whether the mistakes are him reaching too much or, you know, obviously, and when you're a rookie, the referees are not giving you the benefit of the doubt on whether it be a travel call or reaching in or you getting in front of a guy, charge block, what have you. So Matisse doesn't benefit from that benefit of the doubt, but I think the fans are just like latched onto the fact that he's so active and so energetic and you can just, it's just so easy to see the impact he has in the game. Um, And once you start stroking the three, it's like, wait a minute, because we haven't had anybody who's been, you know, I mean, Robert Covington was a guy who kind of grew on people, but this is like from the onset, you can see all that Matisse can do. Um, once he starts driving to the basket, we'll, we'll be talking a whole different ball game. But that's what it is with this kid. I, I think he's got a chance to be really. Sp- I mean, he's already pretty special on the defensive end. I'm mean, I, I just uh, think oh, Brandon him credit. Yeah. Man. Oh yeah. I just think he has a chance to be a really special player. The offensive game still has a ways to go. I mean, we've talked about it many times. The shot, it's great right now. He's hitting it. I mean, you know, he went three for three in two different games. So that clearly gave him a nice boost in the percentage department. I do like his shot. I think it's got a chance to be very good. I think he's going to be a three. I mean, this is a 22-year-old kid we're talking about, too. His first year in the league. He, he's still figuring stuff out. So, like you, like you talked about with the dribble drive game, if he ever gets that yeah. like figured out a little bit, you see it in flashes that maybe he has that because he is so athletic. Um, because he can finish in traffic, because he is strong for you know for a guy his age. But there is just I, I get I get why fans are excited about him. I've said from the beginning that I I would be playing this kid twenty minutes a night. You know what I think it is too, man. Is that we haven't had an impact rookie like they you know no no disrespect on the current regime, but they have missed the organization on no. draft picks. It's more so that they've <laughs> had guys get hurt every freaking year. Yeah, but I mean you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, they get hurt, but whether it's unlucky or just a product of the way 
talent evaluation goes, they haven't had an impact rookie like that. Like a guy who can just like splash. Like we needed something. He provides it and he's ready to do whatever it takes and can do whatever it takes. You know, he doesn't, he's not like impacted by the moment. He's not like yeah. overwhelmed. He's not, you, you see what I'm saying? No, so totally. I think that it also fans latch onto that because of the lack of success that they've had with, with rookies or younger players who can come in and play right away. Uh, Sixers Talk brought to you by Wilmington University, where dreams come into reach at Wilmington University. WilmU helps working adults reach their career goals through accredited and affordable degrees and certificates. To reach new heights in your field, WilmU works. Find out why at wilmu.edu. Funny, Paul, uh, you mentioned Brett and him talking. Mm. Another coach was talking. <laughs> and it wasn't a head coach. And I, <laughs> it's just, can we play the audio? To me, that's the takeaway. And it wasn't because of Philly. It's because of where we want to go. And, uh, yeah, I hate that team. I really wanted to win that game. Um, I think Embiid gets away with a bunch of crap the league ignores. And uh, it would have been a good one to just walk away from. Dan Burke, Pacers assistant. A little mouthy about Indeed. the Sixers. Indeed. Uh, basically, um, you know, you heard the, the clip. It's just to me, you, you hear people talk like that. Number one, you think those things are reserved for head coaches. Number two, um, he's acting like we won't see him again. Like, like I'm, I'm sure Embiid, who is always in tune with what's being said about him, um, I'm sure Simmons, I'm, I'm sure it was talked about in the Sixers locker room uh, among the players. But what did Brett Brown have to say? Because to me, when you talk about you hate this team and you don't like us and things like that, like it's not even a rivalry right now. No, it's not. I mean, it's they're they're a clear tier below the Sixers. I mean, yeah. clear. Um, but so what did first, Brett say? So it was kind of posed. It was posed posed to Brett in kind of a a delicate way, uh, just kind of saying like, you know, you talked about bully ball, you've talked about you know, Smash Mouth, all that. Does it? Do you take it as a compliment when a team says they hate you? And he went on this. You know, he gave a very good quote. Like, yeah, you know, that's we talk about what we want to be as a team, and one of the things is, you know, we want people to hate playing against us. And you know, so it was, you know, that. And then it got a little bit less diplomatic, and uh, Brett was informed that a Pacers assistant had said that. To which uh, Brett said, "quote I would bring him to my house for Christmas, and he could share in the Christmas dinner." Um, but then the Embiid quote that sounded so tiny, Tim. Uh, it was uh, well, if I said it in the Brett Brown access, Christmas dinner, sharing Christmas dinner. Um, but then he specifically was said, if there was, you know, what about the Embiid thing? If him saying that Embiid gets a lot of uh, gets away with a lot of crap, <laughs> that Brett said, quote, well, he would not be able to have dessert because I don't agree with him. But he could still eat at the house if it was delivered that way you just said. If it was offered as a compliment to bully ball and toughness and physical and, yes, we have a post-up team, then dinner. If he's hitting Joe, no dessert. That's how it works. Bully ball. I appreciate – let me put – I want to say it like this, though. Say it. So what – you mentioned it. Like, what an odd thing for an assistant coach on a team – did he just think no one was going to hear it because it was on a team broadcast? I don't know. Like, you – why would – that's kind of – one that's a little like to me, it's a little like classless to say something yeah, it's like petty. It's yeah, and petty. the way he said it too, like the way I hate them and like B gets away with so much crap. Like the way he said it was just such vitriol. Like at least be a little bit diplomatic about it. Like geez, I, like, I get a player saying it maybe a little bit in the emotion of a game, but this is a coach. You've had time to cool off, 
and this is what your response is. Yeah, and I love like, the game had been. I'm like, right. what, what day is and, this? Is this from and, a couple right, days ago? Right. And I love that basically Brett made a joke out of it. Like that, I think he handled it perfectly. Make a joke out of it because that's what it is. It's a joke. I always, well, maybe not always, but I try to be, you know, like there's two sides to every story. So I'm, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes and look at it from the opposing team's viewpoint when it comes to playing the Sixers going up against Joel Embiid. Nobody can match up with him. Uh, like that's just flat out. Like he's seven foot two. He's got crazy footwork. He can shoot. He can dribble. Uh, no, nobody can match up with him. So I can see where frustration comes from that. So th does Joel get away with stuff? So that's the thing I'm looking at. So I think about that Demonis Sabonis foul under the basket. Um, also think about Joel, the technicals, the flagrants. Like he gets his fair share when it yeah. comes to those things. The playoffs, he almost got suspended for a game. I, I do see somewhat what what they're saying or whoever, you know, universal you, what they're saying when I think about Joel, like, doing not too much, but sometimes he follows through in a way that, like, if that was my, you know, a player on my team and getting he was getting hit like that, I'm like, Dad, whoa, wait, hold up, big guy. Um, sometimes, you know, when he goes to the ground and, like, a, he, like a player is underneath him, like he, somebody's already on the ground and he's going down, there's kind of like a, you know, I mean, he is a big man, so controlling so all of that, humans, controlling yeah. all that is obviously difficult, probably, especially, you know, he probably needs to lose a few pounds, so he's getting all that heft in the air and landing it properly is is a lot. So, but you liken it to Shaq, is, is that? And that's what because when Shaq played, like think about all the stuff that Shaq did in his day that would that now would be flagrant ones and flagrant twos. That elbow that he would do to clear space. Seriously, though, that's like you see it on a Shout highlight out to reels. Kimbe Mutombo. With Shaq with that exactly. <laughs> he, it was a. Or, it might have been. It might have. Might have been an offensive foul on that day. Now that's a flagrant wait, one. Wait, wait. No doubt about Who it. He was, gets called. Was that a uh, Chris Dudley from the Knicks when Shaq dunked on him yes. to follow through and push him to the yes. <laughs> Like, think about it. He would get thrown out of the game. It for wasn't doing even that. a call on that play. I know. It was no call. Now, no nowadays, call. that would get reviewed and he'd get thrown out of the game. Yeah. But yeah. That's, so that's my thing with, with Joe. I think he's just so big and so strong that sometimes it looks worse than what it is. Now, listen, when the Sabonis play happened, he yeah. got called for a flagrant one. Right. I think that was a fair call. It was, it was. It was. It, it, it wasn't by today's definition of yes, flagrant one. It wasn't because I don't think it was malicious. I do think he was making a play on the basketball, and I think he got an awful lot of the basketball. He did, but he also got his head. So you got to call it a flagrant one. I get that, but I don't. It wasn't like he just took a swat at Sabonis's head, which we have seen him do. Sure, <laughs> and he's gotten called appropriately for things when stuff like that's happened. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I, yeah. I just to say he gets away with it, I think is silly. Like. Is he like the, the? Is he a choir boy? Is he an angel when it comes to stuff like that? No, of course not. And he gets called for it. But to, so to say he gets away with it, I think is silly. Yeah, um, I just, I just worry that well, you know, reputation with referees. I, you know, you say what you want, but I think, you know, I don't want to throw them under the bus, but just from my perception, under the bus. referees hold grudges. And as the season goes on, those grudges become more and more intense, particularly Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Mm. They have like a never ending referee relationship that just is like hot and cold, sweet and sour, like all mm. the time. I just don't want him to get trapped 
and pigeonholed as like, uh, you, you know, watch Embiid's elbow. You know, you know when they come right. to that circle in the beginning of the game, the referees are all talking. They're kind of, you know, mapping out, you know, certain things but that you want to look out for. So I just don't want them, Embiid, to get the stigma of being a dirty player or the stigma of being somebody who goes uh, has those extracurriculars that goes above and beyond uh, just the basketball stuff. It's a fair point. Uh, I would say, though, too, like, it goes both ways. Now, do you think the referees in the NBA and the officials loved hearing the Pacers assistant coach say that Joel Embiid gets a lot of gets away with a lot of crap, and the league lets it go? I don't, do you think the league well, enjoyed I hearing that? I don't, there's no repercussions for him on the floor for saying something like that. Number one, he's the assistant, and he could be speaking for the staff. That could be something the staff thinks. But that's my point. So now, the next time the Sixers play the Pacers, do you think that, do, you, do you think that benefits Joe, or do you think that benefits the, I, the Pacers? That's pretty deep. As far as the I know, like oh, to say like oh like they're gonna penalize the team for something the assistant coach said um, I, I think that's a little deep but I, I see your point I just don't want Joel to be a guy who loses any of his cachet on the court to be able to float around and, and do the things he does because you know all of a sudden they're calling moving screens on him to make up for the fact that he elbowed a guy on the other end you know what I'm saying so yeah I'm not I'm not as worried about that because I think and I think Joe has learned. Because, you know, obviously he's had instances in the past, you know, that one press conference where he screamed when he was walking off and the refs effing suck, mm-hmm. which was not smart. No, that's, um, that's I think he's grown out of that because whenever there is a question about officiating, even if he kind of hints that maybe he doesn't agree with a call, he'll end it by saying, and this this is like his new thing, they have a hard job to do and they're really great people. That's I swear to God, that's how he ends every question about officiating now, which is smart on his part because that's mm-hmm. what you should do. But I... I I think he gets it. Um, you know, there clearly emotions going to play into stuff, and stuff's going to happen, and maybe he doesn't. Oh, maybe he won't always keep his cool. But I think, and I think the Towns fight was a was a little bit of an eye performer too. Getting yeah, I don't, to spend th- I don't two think games. he gets it. I think he gets I, it. I think he'll get it. This is when he'll get it. You guys I think the attention? suspension did it. When he he'll get it when he starts talking to the referees like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant with his hand over his face. So that no one can read his lips or see anything like that. That's when he'll get it. That's when they'll have a relationship that none of us even can define because he's talking to them with his hand over his mouth, being discreet. And when he talk, no, but you know what? To your point though, Danny, what? he does. I see him more often talking to refs, and I, you, for those of you who aren't watching on YouTube, just he's. This is the way he talks to refs. Like, hey, yeah, yeah. This is uh, right, right. This is what, what did you see? Like, I what mean, happened? It, like, it, and it's. It it's, benefits it's, him immensely to course. have that, type and he does of it for other. He does it for other guys too. Like he'll do it. Like if Ben gets called for a foul, he doesn't agree with. He'll he'll go over to a ref and be like, "Hey, are you sure that was a, like you know what I mean?" Like he'll just yeah. kind of he's he's doing more of that. So I think he, I think he's th- maybe he okay maybe he doesn't get it, but I think he's starting to get it. Let's put it that way. Did we put a pen in the Matisse thing? Did we decide? Like I, I, I'm just saying because we uh, started talking about Ennis and then no, we, did, we, we, we came yeah. back around on these. so. Are, where do you think is, is Brett massaging it? Well, do you feel like he needs to let yeah. let the reins off a little bit? I, yeah, I don't think talked, I got a, a finale. We did, we did. Okay, all right. we got a finale. Yeah. All right, we all talked right. about it. We put a bow on it. Okay. Um, I appreciate you wanting that though. That well, I, I do because rewarding our listeners. I, I didn't want to that. Um, I appreciate that. Diverge too much, but I had some movie recommendations. Ooh. And some TV show recommendations. Oh, um, 
Irishman, obviously, everybody's watching that. I haven't watched it yet, and I am dying I, to watch it. Right, mm. and I know that I know you haven't watched it because you haven't mentioned it. Yeah. So I feel like if mm. you had seen it, you would be like, hey, the Irishman, blah, blah, blah. Yep. So I definitely recommend the, that. The issue is, and I can also say it because my girlfriend also doesn't listen to the podcast, so I can say I get away <laughs> with it. Um, she saw three hours, 29 minutes. She's like, no, we're not watching this right now. So now it's like, I don't know when we're going to watch yeah, it. it. And I kind of said, like, I why don't watch we watch it? it I watched it in two seconds. Exactly. I, I watched said, it. I said, why don't we watch like an hour tonight? We'll watch an hour tomorrow and then we'll finish it. Yeah, like, it, it was it was proper, man. It's, uh, it's kind of a it must. It's freaking yeah. Martin Scorsese. Can I vent on this real quick? Yeah, people go got a problem with a three and a half hour movie. Okay, not ideal, but some people will watch four hours of Friends, five hours oh, of I The know, Wire. I know, Ben. Trust me. Six hours of Breaking Bad. Noah, you know right. get over yourself. Yeah. Grab some popcorn. Watch the movie. And, and I hear and you. These, and these are, You're preaching to the choir. These are legends. This is pretty... Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, it's heavyweights. It's, and not to... You know, be morbid or anything, but you don't know how many more of these you're gonna get. This might be this might be it. You know what I mean? No, as far fair. as all, all, all these those, people yeah, being yeah. on the screen together, so Irishman highly recommend if you have. And any, Joe Pesci hasn't been in anything, right? He came out of retirement, basically. and it was I was glad to see him. He looked good. So, yeah. um, but um, if you if you have any inclination to and you enjoy Casino. Uh, Goodfellas, any any mob type movie, basically that, any yeah. Martin Scorsese movie. <laughs> this 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 is it. Um, and then Watchmen on HBO. That's a TV I've heard show. it's great. And you like superheroes? I do. So this is very I've very dark great. side of the superhero mm -hmm. genre. I'm into it, definitely. You've been watching Jokerish. You've been watching Mandalorian. Of course I have. Oh my god, it's so good. Um, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. It's no, so so. I'm just so good. I, I'm just a little upset at the way they decided to delve it out. Um, oh, you mean little, like the piecemeals? Yeah, like it give me three at a time. Can I get the, okay, maybe you're not gonna release it all. Give me three. <laughs> give me three episodes. They're only half hour. There is a little bit of a after you're done watching it, like oh my god, I want to watch. Yeah, yeah like mean, oh, like, like what's happening? Deflating. What's happening? They know what they're doing though. Like, where, is he gonna take the helmet off? Like, what's going on? Yeah, the little know? baby Yoda. Yeah, so man, that's the only definitely. thing. It's distracting how adorable baby Yoda is. I gotta say, it's a, a great bit. Um, my son is 12 and he wants one. So I'm a grown man and I want. <laughs> so um. Yeah, uh, so that and um, a couple other things I was watching. Um, the Godfather Harlem was pretty good. Okay. With uh, Forrest Whitaker, really strong cast. You um, watch uh, Silicon Valley at all? I didn't watch that. That's a great, it's yeah. in its final season right now. That is a sensational yeah. show. Basically, it makes fun of, like, it makes fun of tech. Like, this, it makes fun of Silicon Valley. And, like, yeah. like now this season, there's, like, obviously a lot of stuff with, like, around the Facebook stuff. And yeah. It's pretty good. Having been, lived in California, not in Silicon Valley, but you have visited the Bay Area a lot, um, it's an interesting place. Yeah. Um, just because of the way it blew up. Right. With the whole Google Internet thing. And, and the sh sorry, the show is by Mike Judge. If you don't know Mike Judge, that was Beavis and Butthead. That was yeah, Office yeah. Space. The name. Uh, Idiocracy. Yeah. That's Mike Judge. He is yeah. one of the funniest. Like, he is so. every Everything he makes is gold. I love Mike Judge. Are we Beavis and Butthead a little bit? No. No, oh, they're funny. Oh. Oh, wow. Pickup truck so Chuck with the shot. Oh, that was Ben. Yeah, oh, I didn't know. I'm sorry. I didn't. My, uh, my bad. I just, the plaid shirts, I was confusing. Um, that's a visual joke, and no one can see us, so. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone can tell that you're a noodle. If you're looking for a great paying part-time job with flexible hours, check out 2020 Census Jobs. You may have another job or not. You may even be retired or looking for some extra income. But you can also help make sure that everyone gets counted. So apply at 2020census.gov forward slash jobs to strengthen your community. 
Well, um, I'm going to go work on for passing out of the double team. Uh, are Ooh. you working on something for the you are, I've heard you're a post guy. I've heard that about you. I, I, you I do feel, a lot of your work I, in the post. I feel like because there's always space down there. Okay. Like everyone else likes to hang around a perimeter. So I can go down there, get rebounds, okay. post up. I respect it. You know what I mean? Do a little Kevin McHale. See, I'm more of a I'm a mid I'm more of a mid range guy, so I would not work in today's NBA. You know what? Because you wouldn't go fifteen for fifty one from three, I think like the Houston Rockets well, did yeah, in their double overtime <laughs> game. Um that's we'll say that for another podcast. But uh <laughs> James Harden, my God. Yeah. He's, I mean, hey man, he just had sixty the other day too. So I mean it's, I mean we just yeah. give him a pass. Is that what we're doing? No, it's not a good pass. I, I, mean, I wouldn't want to play on the team with him. That's all I'm saying. Um just just I mean, we just had to throw this out here. All right. So they they double overtime, they lost to San Antonio. James Harden, eleven of thirty eight from the floor. It's Four for twenty from three. <laughs> He had 50 points. Postseason, James Harden. Russell Westbrook, mm. 7 of 30 from the floor, 1 for 6 from 3. Listen, no one a ever double accused with 19 points. either so the two of, of them combined, 18 of 38, 18 of 68. No one, 18 James, of 68. James is efficient. Westbrook is it? Yeah. Hey, I mean, James was 24 of 24 from the free throw line. And this is the game. I don't know if it was – you saw the clip, but this is when a Spurs fan shouts at James on the court. No one wants to see a free throw contest, and he shouts back. Um, well, no one wants to see uh, a bunch of fouls either. So, I don't really know what that. What well, is he getting uh, James at? is getting fouled and going to the line and shooting free throws, and the guy while he's walking to the line is like, nobody wants to see a free throw contest. And then he shouts back, "Well, no one wants to see a bunch of fouls either." As in, well, stop following me. It won't be any free throws. I don't like that only because he knows what he's doing. I mean, it's part of the game. I mean, I don't, I don't. I, he knows what he's doing. I don't fault him for that. I mean, Joel does the same thing. He does that. that yeah, and I don't move. necessarily love. When Joe, I mean Joe does it like once a game. He does that. He does that swim through and gets called for. But see, it. for me, if, if this, I didn't know we were going here, but it, for me, if the 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 I the thing the thing that 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 comes from is born from is they spend so much time playing the game that you have developed or figured out a way to get an advantage. I think that's commendable. If you figured out that hey, you know what, every time which everyone does is stick their hand out. I'm going to, every time I, that arm is there, I'm going to do a swim through until they stop it. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I know it's annoying. I, I, I get here, it. Here's what it is. I get, but, uh, I but can, they've developed that. He, he spent time into taking advantage of that opportunity. I can respect it. I don't have to like it. I can respect that. He yeah. does something that, right, cool. that, that makes him a better, that makes him score more points that, that, Makes him whatever makes him, but that comes from time and put in. I mean, it's, it's not like, but also like, to Ben's point, that doesn't work nearly as well in the playoffs, does it? Dan, and you out here talking like someone that calls charge in a pickup game of basketball. Oh. No, I'm just. We need to rat. No, this, this, is what I, this is what I want to say. I have been heavy, heavily criticized. Of, critis, I've criticized James Harden heavily in the postseason, particularly against Golden State when he comes up super small. But if, if I'm doing it, you got to stop it. That's, that's all I'm saying. If, if, if I'm doing it and you don't like it, then stop it. If you can't stop it, then don't say anything. All right, well, then in the playoffs, all those teams are fine because they all stop it. True. Well, once that half-court game comes in, you know, I mean, I, you should be – for teams passing up two-pointers to shoot three-pointers, and worth noting that they were 15 of 51 in this double overtime Jeez. loss to the Spurs from three. But How the hell did he get the double over? This shows you how not good the Spurs are. <laughs> no, nah, and they're not. They're not yeah. good. But the fact that Houston, a team that should be good, is having, you know – 
these type of games. You shouldn't be Spurs, that reliant on hitting threes. Or just relying on two people in, right, in that too. way. But right. um, the website, what are you working on for the web? So we got just uh, – You're going to practice right we now, got so we got to wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got practice, so we'll probably have something from that. <laughs> and then uh, you know he's going to have his film review upcoming. Yeah, I saw him working on that. Yeah. Um, Pickup Chuck, help, Chuck is helping him out with some of the video yeah, stuff. Yeah, he, he was definitely burning the midnight oil a couple nights ago, he as he that. often is. Yeah, As he does. Um, we appreciate you listening to Sixers Talk on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com, wherever you get your pod- podcasts. We're brought to you by Wilmington University. Wilm U Works for Paul Hudrick. I'm Danny Pomels. Pickup Truck, Chuck, Steve Graham, Ben Barry, our esteemed producers. We thank you, and we will see you next time. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.